episode 17, Sam Fouch Show. It may have to be called the Josh Show here soon. This is the <laughs> third one with Josh Dilmagani, uh, but he's not the spotlight today. It's Mr. Chris Hartwell. How are we doing today, Chris? We're doing great. How about you? I'm doing good. Um, these gentlemen, as you guys know, you probably should know, they're both with White Stag Realty. Uh, Chris must have been doing a pretty good job if Josh is going to let him be on the show, would be my, uh, my Chris guess. Chris is paying me, but yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. I asked him yesterday if he still wanted me to come on because <laughs> I feel like I've been being a pain lately, but go ahead. Okay. Well, let's get started. Um, I think always a good way to get into it is, and this is something Josh and I were talking post um, starting the interview, is how did you guys meet? How did you guys, I know Josh, I think, did some. Yo, I think I can tell the story. Yeah. <laughs> I do the same thing every month, but basically our board of realtors sends an email once a month to let you know like who are the new board members in terms of realtors, um, and presumably almost all of them are new licensees. Some could be licensees getting back into it. Um, and I sent an email, and I'm like, man, if you've aligned with a brokerage and it works, great. If it doesn't, call me, right? And it's a little more detailed than that. I'll kind of give some numbers of, like, what we're doing. Uh, two of our agents all time that we've gotten that way were from the email. Chris is the first. So. And that's how you guys met? Yeah. Shot him a spam email. Initially. <laughs> um, then we met over at, uh, I left lunch for my day job in Pearl Street. Pearl Street, the Pearl pizza Street. place. Yep. So that's where we met in person for the first time. Yeah, we shared a spaghetti. It was awesome. <laughs> so how has it been, I wanted to hit this point too, Chris, because obviously you were the brokerage prior. How has it been transferring from that brokerage to White Stag? What have you seen in pros, cons, and what made you want to ma initially make that jump? So when he reached out initially, and there had been some other people that had reached out as well, because uh, I was starting to get a few transactions under my belt, but just his approach, he, he didn't seem salesy and happy right. like a lot of people out there. Yeah. Uh, he seemed genuine, but then <laughs> I, I was at a place with my, the previous agency, I won't name names, and I have no ill will towards them, but when I was going through getting licensed and doing everything, they were pretty small. Right. And that's what I wanted to start with was a smaller agency. Felt like I'd have a better shot at getting some good training. But um, but then that agency started blowing up. So just what I was getting out of it, I didn't feel like I was making any real progress. Right. So the big difference with Josh, I mean, we sat down probably three or four times before. And I'm pretty loyal, so it's hard for me to just jump ship from somewhere else. But after I finally made that, that switch... Within the first week of training with him, I learned more in a week than I did in a year wow. with the other agency. And again, nothing against the other agency. They just had a lot going on. And me having a full-time day job, right. it wasn't as flexible for me to get in there for tr some training sessions. And with Josh, he was way more flexible, allowing me to you know, take time out of the day job and go meet with him whenever to, to do some things and shadow. I think that's pivotal as an agent is uh, is training. You know, yeah. you want to be able to sell a house or list a house or, you know, at the highest capacity and to not. And I, I've, I've seen that in tons of brokerages. They're just so big. I mean, how are they supposed to shine in or any energy to you as an agent, especially a new agent? Because, um, I mean, it's a big transaction. <laughs> you got to know how to, you know, it's uh, definitely something training needs to be involved in. And and I'll piggyback on this real quick. So I interview a lot of agents. I don't add them all, but I interview a lot. And a common thing I hear is the training support lacks. Right. And even in those interviews, I tend to say, I kind of get it. Like growth is so tough to manage. Yeah. Um, 
Chris's previous brokerage, I think at one point, like, had went from, like, how many were there when you started? Ten? Uh, I think... Twenty? When I was going through, they were about, yeah, right around ten. Yeah. And by the time that I... And I got licensed quick. I passed on the first try, but I was... Must be nice. Yeah, this guy. I was, uh, <laughs> I was taking my time before I was going to sign, so I waited. Like, you have that year once you pass everything yep. to officially get licensed. Yep. So I waited till about week 50. So oh, to take the test? No, to to then sign on with an agency. Okay, I gotcha. So during that time, because I was going all in still on my day job and was still trying to fill out you know, what I was doing, but by the time that I got started, I mean, I feel like they were up to like seventy agents or something. Seventy. So, oh my gosh. So, and I, my previous job when I was living in North Carolina, I did a lot of training and hiring, and I know how tough it is. So, right. So it wasn't a, a diss on them. It was just what Josh had to offer and everything that you told me, I just felt really comfortable that this guy's going to be able to teach me a lot. So Josh had to offer time. It yes. seemed like the other brokers didn't yeah. have time to offer, which like you said, no shame against him, but that's, you need it as a young agent, you know? He also did some things that were really helpful. Um, like he made me a bunch of videos, just like I, I was so, <laughs> I was so, clueless. I forgot about that. Yeah. I was so clueless, like filling out contracts and intimidated by right. making sure I was getting everything right. I would end up like giving referral fees to agents at the previous agency. Hey, can you help me fill out this purchase agreement so I don't screw it up? But Josh made me a, a video for filling out a purchase agreement, listing agreement, and just basically every single contract that you need to fill out. And that was very helpful too. That's a pretty uh, pretty big thing, too, yeah. to have. So you'd have to pay someone to do that at the other brokerage? Uh, Essentially. It right? wasn't like I had to, but I felt like if I wanted to get the help that I needed and I wanted to get done right, then yeah. Wow. So Interesting. I was giving up quite a bit back then. How's the day job and selling real estate? Challenging. Yeah. Very, very challenging. How I, do you uh, do that? Very carefully. I don't advise <laughs> it. Um, <coughs> but, again, the, the loyalty. You know, so I've been with the other company for about six and a half years now. When I got licensed, it's because we were going through a merger and I was seeing like 10% of our department being laid off right. um, every month. So I was like, mm -hmm. I better get something. Hey, we're going to take a quick pause. I'm going to switch, Chris, your cord out on your mic. And we're back after a commercial break of Wyatt fixing the cords. So we were talking about Chris Hartwell here and his day job uh, fun with selling real estate at high numbers. Chris, how do you do it? Um, how do you make that magic happen? I've always worked pretty hard my entire life, so I guess I'm used to... Uh, let's get this microphone. Is that better? That's better. Uh, since my first paper out at age eight, and then <laughs> once I was about 15 and could get a worker's permit, I was usually doing two or three jobs to start saving for college, two or three jobs through college to pay for college. So in the previous job, before I moved back to Indianapolis, when I was in North Carolina, I mean, I was working probably 60, 70 hours a week for them. So I've always just worked hard. But with the day job, the intent was get on with real estate and leave the day job. Right. But um, for that first year when I was with the other agency, you know, that definitely wasn't going to happen as I wasn't really, I mean, I had some transactions, but nothing like I've been doing under Josh. But so I was kind of ready to take the plunge and go all in on real estate and then the pandemic hit. Mm. So 
uh, that's really what freed up and allowed me to continue doing the day job and still do real estate at a relatively high level. Um, just once we started working from home with my office job, I mean, that saves a lot of time where you're not fighting through traffic, right. dealing with parking, meetings, everything else. Um, so that's what's really allowed me to continue to do both. But for my emotional health and sanity, it will not go on <laughs> for too much longer, whether that's three months, six months, or a year to be determined. But uh, You name your date and I'll fire you. Yep, yep, yep. So <laughs> it's kind of like part of me just keeps waiting, like for, you know, if something goes wrong with the day job, layoffs, anything unexpected, okay, great, now I'm all in because I really am loyal and hate to turn my back on something. But there is also the salary and benefits that, you know, real estate uh, can't bring to the table. However, I feel like if I would just go all in on it, I could probably do just fine. And eventually I will. I'll also throw out something I, I think even you don't consider. Um, the plight of many realtors is a lot of their time is spent not selling homes. Right. It's networking. It's uh, working their sphere. It's uh, finding the best lead service. And Systems. If, yeah. And well... In my opinion, I mean time wasters. If you oh. <laughs> could, if you could cut some of those things out, like I I probably go to one or two networking things a year, if that. But if you can cut out networking and having to call people to try to drum up business and can somehow get them to call you, you could sell at a very high level with a full time job, a higher level without a full time job, and it's doable. I mean, I, I gave Chris a lead either yesterday or two days ago. Two so days ago. Yeah. Under contract today. Wow. It'll close July 26th. And then she sent me a text today when we got her offer accepted yeah. saying she's looking forward to many future transactions. She's an investor out of California. We'll see. They all but say that. They all, all right. say that. She <laughs> seems sincere. Yeah. Um, but, but again, we cut all the fat off. There was no networking to get this lead. There was no, I didn't say, Chris, I want you to call people in California. And that's why I think you can also produce at a high level. Yeah, without Josh's system in place, I wouldn't be doing both jobs. Uh, there's no way I could have success in real estate, at least after working for Josh. Now I can't imagine any other way. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's with Josh's dishing out leads without me having to go out there and do all the networking events and cold call FISPOs, which is invaluable, right. but tough to find that time when you're putting in 40 hours at something else. Right. Josh makes it all possible. That's the point. I'm okay. To make. It's all about Josh. It's all it, about Josh. The company wasn't even my idea. I just execute, I guess. I think a big takeaway on that is just I, I know we've talked about in every podcast, Josh, yeah. just how you give out leads. I mean, that's just, and I can't address for you wanting more agents probably anymore, can I? Or <laughs> They'd have to be really good if I'm going to add someone like right now. Right. Because uh, I just took on a new gal, and I'm going to focus on, on that training and development for a few weeks. So we'll call that a maybe statement. If someone was experienced, yes. Right. Like, I mean, just to kind of paint the picture of what it realistically is, I went to lunch with my new agent today, and at lunch I got a listing lead for 990000 in Fishers, 450, 460 in Carmel. And then I got back to the office after lunch, and I got a, a lead for a seller that has three properties to sell near downtown. That's insane. Yeah, and, and I, don't, I haven't looked at price point, but I mean, probably 1.6, 1.7 million in listing leads that I've given out since 12. All right. 
and 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 then the reality is that's almost what we did in year one, volume wise. This is only year three, correct? Uh, yeah. Huh. Yeah, that's uh, you don't hear that much from a, a brokerage giving out leads like and that. And that's why I say growth is tough to manage. Right. Which is a good problem to have. Yeah. You know, I just realized. I think we're we just hit my two-year anniversary with your. Or it might be like July first. Nice. It's coming. Yeah. Daggum. Well, let's uh, let's switch it this gear a little bit. I, I want to talk because I know the last time we talked, Josh, on the podcast was you were just literally moving to North Carolina. Oh yeah, yeah. L- let's transition into that and uh, how's it going? How's the? What's the difference in the market? What? How's it been getting licensed? How's it been establishing White Stag in that new area? So I didn't know this at the time, but it turns out North Carolina, by all accounts, is the toughest state to get licensed in. Really? Yeah, it probably took me about 90 days. I mean, you work with the Secretary of State to get the LLC, the Real Estate Commission. uh, The Department of Revenue has a hand in the real estate bucket there, and they take four to six weeks to respond to you. Nice. Um, But yeah, I take on my fourth client tomorrow, So, and I didn't know anyone when I went out there either. How have you done it? What have you Google. Google. Uh, again, three of my four clients have been Google leads. One was a for sale by owner that I called. Have you just used the same tactics in your Google SEO that you've done here? Yeah. Yeah. It's great. That's crazy. Dude. And You it's make very me as a marketer mad. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm the cheapest lady on the block. Right. right? Uh, so that helps. All right. Um, and our next tactic, I think, as a company would be to start selling franchises. Okay. So I really wanted to, I feel like just having one market is a small sample size. Right. You know, and if you're trying to pitch this to someone in another state, they can be like, well, I don't know anything about Indianapolis. Maybe there's a reason it did that well there. So I'm like, if we can replicate that same success in another market, I'd be like, I didn't know. Truthfully, I didn't know sales. I didn't know real estate. And I didn't know Indianapolis a ton because I always lived in Hendricks County for the most part when I lived here. Right. And we did this here. I don't know Charlotte at all. And I didn't know anyone out there. And if we do it again, I'm selling more of these. So you're thinking maybe more white stags more in more states. Mm-hmm. Wow. Doing yeah. a franchise. Yep. Do you have, have you thought about any deeper how that would work where you have to appoint someone to run it? or? We'll save that for episode four. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, that's interesting. So how's it been just, I know this is off topic from obviously sales and real estate. How's it been living there, transitioning your whole life from it's Indiana? It's great. There's literally no potholes. That's huge. It's cooler than Indianapolis in the summer. It's warmer than Indianapolis in the winter. Um, yeah, it's great. Sounds like we need to move to Charlotte, Chris. I was in <laughs> living right down the road in Asheville yep. for 10 years before I moved back here. What so. made you come back? Uh, my mom had oh. a stroke, and it's, yeah, just trying to be closer for that. They're down in Columbus, Indiana. But So I still have my house in Asheville. Um, Josh may be selling it for me here soon <laughs> while, while this market's still doing See, I just got another lead. Right? <laughs> As we're doing the interview? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so we've talked about Charlotte. We've talked about Chris and how he's done um, day job. Let's transition. This is a little future type deal. What's going to happen the next six months in real estate, fellas? Ballpark. Man. Yeah, I well shot it. And Wyatt, uh, you can intervene your opinion on this because this is all... I'm very ignorant on well, no, real estate. Wyatt has his MBA from Harvard, okay? <laughs> <laughs> um, I told the team, so we went uh, laser tagging a couple days ago, and then we had a team meeting yesterday. Yesterday? No, today. today Jesus. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, and I told the team at laser tag, I was like, hey, tomorrow I'm going to tell you my predictions for what's to come, and I think I'll be 60% right. Okay. You know? Um 
One, I do not think property values will go down, but I certainly think the rate at which they go up is going to go down. Okay. Uh, two, people are freaking out about interest rates, but as long as interest rates are below the rate of inflation, it is a moot point. Right now, you lose 8 to 10% on your dollar. Spend it on a house and lose 6%. Right. Right. Um, now, can everyone follow that math? No. Uh so that's why you'll see, and if you haven't seen it yet, it's happening on social media. Every realtor you know is going to say, marry the house, mm. date the rate. Mm. And I like that concept, and it's catchy, but I wish the math was more catchy because that's why I would buy a house in this market still. So what do you think about rates in general? I mean, should that make people fearful? Should that make people want to sell? Like, I, That's just all I hear from everyone. It's, yeah. oh, rates are going up. But, but it's, it's a problem. There's, you know, you're going to pay more for your, you know, what, what's your opinion? At the end on of the day, if you buy a house, you're buying a stock. The difference is you can sleep in this stock. There you go. Okay. I'd, I'd buy a house all day, every day. Right. You know, versus all the stocks I have that are tanking on a regular basis. Right. So you're essentially saying it's investment up, down, it goes, you know, it's just how it goes. That's why I like the, the marry the house, date the rate, because the rate is impermanent. Right. And if rates dip... I would say 1%, you should refinance your home. But really at like 0.8%, it starts to make sense to refinance your home. So right now, some some people are doing low sixes. Right. If it ever hit like five and a quarter, 5.4, if you got in at low sixes, refinance. And you're going to save that money again. So rates just fluctuate at any time, say when you're owning a home? Everything fluctuates, but yes. What if you got a fixed rate? Then you're good, right? Um, You're good, but... If you're fixed at a, let's say if you're fixed at 6.2% and then rates drop to 5.2%, you need to pull the trigger on a refinance mm. and get that fixed rate. Okay. I see yeah. what you're saying. Because right. the rate, okay, that makes sense. Huh. Interesting. So six months, we're still going to be above water, hopefully? I think so. It's a, it's my first market turn. I'm so excited. Right. Yeah. Because I, I know you didn't have to go through the 08 fund. No. I've been pretty convinced so when my business partner pitched this idea, I was like, man, I think that would work in any market. It's a seller's market. Your property value goes up. Right. Capitalize as much as you can and pay a lower commission brokerage. It's a buyer's market. Your property value is either stagnating or possibly decreasing a little bit. Mitigate your losses. Hire a lower commission agency. Like, just conceptually, it made sense. And that's what you guys offer at White Stag Realty. Yeah, and Wyatt's the finance major, so I'll... I didn't apply to one college. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I went to IUPUI for three weeks. Uh, Wyatt actually dropped out of the eighth grade. <laughs> yeah, yeah, eighth grade, probably at the same time. <laughs> you finish high school? Barely. Man, so yeah, I mean, ultimately, anybody that says they know is lying. Nobody knows. Yeah. I can make predictions, kind of like, if you see clouds, it's probably going to rain, but it also might not. I mean, are you fearful for your agents, for them to keep the sense of production that they have going currently? You're shaking your head no. I'm not scared. I don't know. Well, uh, at the team meeting today, I said, we're probably going to be fine, but you got to act like you're not. Right. Right. Um, What's tactics to mitigate those losses that could be coming what what can you guys do differently that you're doing now versus in the future and i just Oof. think providing the best service humanly possible so you've got people always wanting to come back to you no matter you know, what's going on with the market but 
you know, at the end of the day, people are still always going to be needing to buy and sell houses. So, and I think that's what Josh and I actually talked about. Post is like, even if the market's yeah. doing, boop, 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 someone's family, you know, they're trying to downsize their home. Someone's kids are graduating, moving for work, something. You know, there will still be necessity transactions. I think the only people that will not sell their home in the coming years, as long as rates stay around where they're at now, is anyone that bought during the height of COVID. Yes. Because rates dipped to below three, your buying power went through the roof, so you live in a really nice home, you virtually pay no interest, I mean, mm -hmm. realistically speaking, and if you were to sell that home and buy something else, your buying power went down big time. Hmm. So those people, I think, are stuck, but the positive of being stuck is you're stuck in a nicer home than you probably realistically should have been able to afford had it not been for the pandemic. Right. And no, I, I actually asked this question, um, the six month thing, because, you know, for me or anyone wanting to be a new agent here soon, should they be scared of how the market, you know, as everyone says, quote unquote, it's going down, you know, should that make them fearful of, you know, choosing between being a realtor or being a nine to five guy? What do you think? I mean, as long as you got a strong, you strong stomach and a good work ethic, a good customer service skills, uh, I, I, again, I have no fear. Right. I just put it on myself to you know work harder if I have to. You don't see a supply and demand making it I difficult to produce income for yourself as a real estate agent in the coming months? I don't. I think the bar is still so low in real estate. Right. And it's gone down because when COVID happened, everyone got laid off and furloughed and stuff. Um, everyone decided then to take the risk. Right. So we almost doubled the amount of realtors in our market. Oh, okay. in a historically low inventory. So they're not getting experience like they should. Right. And thus the bar that I already feel like was pretty low went down. Because so we just have so many agents joining. We got flooded. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that number is going to then like the amount of realtors in the market now that they have to pay their dues for this year's board membership. It's probably going to decrease again. Thank God. But I say to say this to Chris's point. If you have a strong work ethic, you're professional, and you know what you're doing, you're probably going to be okay. And you work hard? Hustle? Mm, <laughs> that's overrated. <laughs> you try not to work hard? <laughs> well, speaking of that, Josh, how have you managed White Stag now in Indiana and Charlotte? I forgot to ask that question. Thank God for COVID again. I think the world shifted to be more virtual, and for I sure. took advantage of it. Zoom? Yeah, we Zoom a lot. Uh, we have weekly Zoom meetings with the team. Whoever can be available is on right. it. Um, Chris chimed in once from the dentist chair, like, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then truthfully, I think m there's two ways to learn. Either someone teach you or you do it. And I, we can produce enough business to where we give people the opportunity to do it and they learn that way. Right. Well, I think you learn by doing always. And I think even when we've talked in the past, Josh, of just you try, and that's, that's beneficial for your agents because if you're hand held, held, hand holding them, yeah, it's not going to help them in the future. Let them conquer those mistakes and be like, you know, hey, if they call you with a question, be like, could you have figured this out on your own? Or even don't even, you know, I don't how you. And Chris can attest to this. I told the team a couple meetings ago, I was like, hey, from now on, when y'all call me and you have a question, I'm going to ask you what your answer is first. That's a good. That's a good. Yeah. Uh, good solution. Because so know. many people would just send me the information, and I'm like, I know what the answer is. Right. Right. Um, but where's your head at? And and ninety percent of the time they're right. And sometimes they have an idea, and I'm like, damn, I wouldn't have thought of that. You're right. Go with that. Yeah. And I think even with the digital age we're in, using 
Google and YouTube are always. It seems like people forget about those. I know things that we have that we can just. Yeah. Get the get the, the agents will call me sometimes and be like, "What is the most closing cost we can ask for on a conventional loan?" And I'll be like, six percent." I don't know what actually is offhand. I think it's six. Right. But they'd be like, "Damn, you just knew that?" I'm like, "No, I typed the question as you said it." <laughs> like, gosh. Um, but yeah, I think here's another piece to how I can manage both. When Jeff, my business partner, pitched the idea, I knew we'd have a low turnover rate, right? which means over time your people get way better, and thus they have less questions. For so sure. I have a Chris, a Daniel, Courtney, Jeremy, Carrie's getting there, Raphael's getting there, and these people already are doing higher volumes of business and have less questions. Mm. So I made the investment to make this possible starting like a year and a half or two years ago. So you're saying invest in your people. Yeah, time and money. Well, if you have good people, then like you said, you yeah. save time and questions. Right. Huh, interesting. Chris, how's it been for you through these years of selling real estate? How have you innovated yourself as an agent and gotten better? And mm. Just the learning curve. Um, More the deals you do. The experience helps, yeah, because like every, every train, before I get closer here, every transaction <laughs> you learn something new. Um, some you learn a lot more than right. others, but uh, I, I don't know. I'll go through waves where I'll maybe have five transactions in a row that are all super smooth and, and simple, and then then you get one that one termite inspection on a VA loan. Yeah, Oof. seventeen things come up, and, and you find yourself learning <laughs> a lot more. But I think just going through the motions, I've definitely felt like a fish out of water. Um, you know, for again that first year when I didn't have great training, but it just took getting acclimated with. You know, just hunkering down, getting through the transactions. Every every transaction you go through gets easier. But again, I very clearly remember after Josh made me some training videos, like like just going in, just entering purchase agreements very slowly and methodically. But yeah, just just one transaction at a time, you get more and more comfortable. How's your future look for yourself as a realtor? I mean, I think it looks good. It's the only thing. Once the day job is no longer. You know, I want something that gives me flexibility. I want something where you kind of manage yourself and where there is a direct correlation with hard work to results because you don't always get that when you're working for corporate America. So, It's a lot more fulfilling in the, in the working for yourself game. Abs Granted, absolutely. And this is another question for myself. How do you guys, say you're real estate agents, you work for yourself, how do you guys deal with not having the benefits side of things of like healthcare and all that jazz? I have a good answer because I've done it. Let's hear it. I just pay out of pocket. And it's amazing, now we're gonna derail, but it's amazing how many healthcare providers basically charge you very close to what your copay would have been. Really? Yeah, and the reason is on a healthcare side, and then we'll get back to real estate, but yes. for healthcare, like most healthcare providers have to pay to be in a network for an insurer. So they're paying money to be a part of the Blue Cross Blue Shield network, right? right. And then Blue Cross Blue Shield negotiates their rates down mm. And then they charge again the healthcare provider for a part of the service, and then the consumer pays the other portion or, or whatever. Right. And it's like, and then if the consumer doesn't pay their portion of a large enough bill, it goes to collections. And then they're getting, they're paying the collection agency a portion of whatever that is, or they're settling for a lower amount. And it's like, rather than do all that, I'll pay you 50 bucks or whatever. And generally it works. Wow. And I can tell you, so last year, I'm, I'm big on numbers. We did the math because my wife quit her job basically at the end of 
2020. And so for 2021, I did the math what she would have paid in premium for the health insurance, what we were generally paying for like prescriptions, co-pays on, on services and that kind of stuff, and I got a kid. Um, and it was about 10 grand All right. that we would pay with insurance. And last year we paid like $2,800 for healthcare. No way. And we didn't do much different. Huh. It's insane. That is insane. Yeah. Now, if something catastrophic happened. Yes, that's where it would get a little. That's where you'd be screwed. Right. Yeah. What's your solution there? Uh, change my name and move to Vermont. <laughs> yeah. I have a plan. And that was still based on real estate because I always like to ask that question. I haven't asked it before, but just you always hear that, at least in my realm of things, is like, well, if you become an entrepreneur, how are you going to have benefits? How are you going to have all these things? And, and I mean, I just always wonder, well, I mean, there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there. They've had to figure it out. You know, it's I hate to let the insurance side of the spectrum hold you back from wanting to be your well, own and, boss. And, you know? and I'll get philosophical on that, too. People that get that overly concerned about the what ifs and the right. hows, they want control, but you never have control. Never. You can have a regular nine to five W-2 job. Yep. And you show up one day and the doors are locked. I know, yeah. I right? You do not have control. Your right. boss can lay you off. Um, you can get crippled, and now you can't do the job. I mean, Correct. you're not in control either way. I, I think that was something Wyatt and I have talked about where it's just like, yeah, like you just mentioned, I mean, the company could just close. And one yeah. day you're just poof. I mean, we could too, Chris. <laughs> we could too. I'm aware. <laughs> I've got backup plans on top of backup plans. Actually, it's funny. I'll, I've never told you this, but sometimes, so whenever I pay Chris, um, I'll see he doesn't cash the check for a long time. And I'm like, he really has faith that we got money in the bank. <laughs> <laughs> I, li I like him to add up because I like those right. big deposits. <laughs> and then I like my bank account to run as low as possible to freak me out so I don't spend as much money. I so just want you to know I I'm have I'm sure felt it's wreaking havoc on your accounting. Sorry about that. No, I have felt very affirmed. That's you smart. have faith. I do have faith. Yeah. <laughs> Money's a mind game. That's a good good game to play right there. It's yeah. true. I'd try to do the same thing. I don't like seeing a lot of money anywhere because then you mentally think you're good, but, you know. What, what kills me in terms of money is, man, mobile deposits have a limit on how much you can deposit, and the limit doesn't reset sometimes for, like, a week or 10 days. And, like, like for instance, in June, I think we're selling – it's still June, right? Yeah. yeah. I think we're selling, like, 26 or 27 homes this month. Generally, White Stack is going to make like a thousand or like maybe twelve hundred dollars per deal. Right. So I hit my mobile deposit limit, and then it doesn't reset for half the month, and I got to go to the bank every other day. Oh. It's killing me. All that walking. Yeah, I've talked to bank managers. I feel like a I'm a Karen, but at Fifth Third. Oh. Uh, yeah. That sucks. Good times. We I could have two banks. I actually meant to bring my checks today because there's an old National right around the corner, but I didn't make it in time. Oof. So. I think, I think I still got two checks in the mail. That's so. right. We'll see if they clear. Yep. Yep. Well, where do you guys want to take this interview? Man, I think overall, the big thing I want to talk about too is like, I think we're going to cap White Stack. This is my first time saying it publicly. Oh, boy. I think we're going to cap it at like 20 agents in this market. What do you got now? I think 15. Um, for years, when I was like in management for like regular jobs, I always kind of had this theory: like, if somebody's best, if somebody, sorry, if somebody's better than your two worst people, I'd hire them. Right. So generally, I was always hiring, but I really think our turnover rate is going to be astronomically low. 
And man, when you see the other firms that add dozens and hundreds of agents all the time, I don't want anything to do with that. And I think if I had 20 people that knew what they were doing, enjoyed doing it, and right. made enough money to sustain their livelihood, that'd be an existence I would like. Well, then you don't lose touch like it seems like with the brokerage Chris was with, with 70 agents. Oh, and not only that, so I think by the end of last year, that brokerage was at 220 or 230 realtors. Oh I mean, a year <laughs> after they were at 70. That's surreal. And there's no way, I mean, another plight of realtors is not many, in my opinion, are good business people. Right. So what are the odds that someone can manage that volume of growth? It's insane. That just makes my head hurt thinking about it. Yeah, and if we keep generating more leads than 20 agents can handle, yeah. I will refer those leads to other brokerages because most of my agents, I get 20 to 30% as a cut. And most of them, when you refer business out, you get 20 to 30% as a cut. Right. So for me, there's no difference. I think keeping 20 agents is a very, uh, very good idea. Man, but it's unpopular. I've talked about it with realtor friends who are with other brokerages, and they're like, they're, that makes no sense. What do they think? You just m add more people. It's like these, um, the virtual brokerages that yep. exist now in today's market. I feel like they're selling agents more than they're selling houses. For sure. You know, and, and it's the rev share and, and these kind of incentive programs. But then you see brokerages out there that are saying how great it is to be a realtor. And it's like, I think you'll have more success saying how great it is to sell houses. Right. I think. There's probably some agents that are just in the business of acquiring more agents. Oh, there's certainly some that have gotten to the point where they've added so many agents and gotten so much rev share, they don't have to work anymore. Right. You know, and, and to be transparent, we have the incentive for our agents to where if they bring someone to us that we agree to add, we do give the referring party a cut right. of who they referred forever. Chris is my number one at taking care, taking uh, advantage of that. So we do the same thing, but I still want to limit it. So at some point, I'm going to have 20 people and someone's going to recommend somebody. And it's probably going to be no. Right. I just think 20, I mean... It just makes sense to not go anymore, personally. Yeah, and it might be premature to, premature to say, but I also think 20 in Charlotte might oh, be the number. So 40. Or or maybe larger in Charlotte because it's a geographically a much larger market. Right. That's been the worst part out there. I have, like, four listings all 40 minutes to an hour oh. away from my house in four different directions. It's insane. Yeah. Yeah. How's traffic? Not as bad as Indy. Really? Dude, in Indy... I would leave downtown. I'd go to my home in Avon. I think it's like geographically 14 miles. Yep, 20, 35. Time-wise, it was 25 10, days. 12 days. Just kidding. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was about 30, 45 minutes versus in North Carolina, 30 or 45 minutes. You go like 20 miles. Really? Yeah, it's great. That is nice. And then the potholes, that's that's a big thing as well. Oh, my God. I, I think I posted on Facebook, but I finally started paying for the um, extended coverage on my rental cars because I'm like, I will destroy one. Right. You know, it's, uh, do you know where um, Pleasant Run Parkway is? I do not. Man, there's a spot, even though it's one lane each way, traffic converges down to one spot, or to one lane, because both sides of the road look like the <sighs> surface of the moon. I sometimes think, what about starting a business in that industry? Pothole filling? Something. I'll get in it with you. I mean, I've been saying that for a while, have too. Have you? It drives me nuts. I popped two tires coming home, uh, what, about a week and a half ago. 
was showing a house or I something forgot. and drilled two mm. tires that just pop pop like there was a car in front <sighs> of it that didn't move so yeah it was tesla tires that are yeah probably. pretty durable but then very expensive right so, and it screwed up my wheel too so I, yeah hit the rim yeah i had to get a new wheel and especially with like how much winter does this and like the the water gets in the holes and freezes and unfreezes I always thought Indiana from the sky would look like a giant ice cube tray. Like you could pick it up and just right and just shake it loose. It's insane. Oh, they're cancer. Now, also, I don't want to make it sound like Charlotte's too much better because it's so expensive is compared it? to here. Yeah. How much more is their market price? Property value is about fifty percent higher. Wow. Yeah. Why? So why is it so much? People um, is there like a demand of people going there? Huge demand. I I've seen different numbers that are far enough apart, I don't know what's true, but it seems like there's like 100 or 150 people moving to Charlotte a day. Really? Yeah. It's kind of like a Nashville, Tennessee type. I've never been. Well, just an influx of people, yeah. more or less, Florida. I spend a lot of time in Nashville because my little brother lives there. That's oh, right. If, if we're going to open an agency somewhere else, I want to go ahead and put my name in for Nashville. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but I think a lot of people go to Charlotte. It's not too far away of a drive to the beach. Right. You, you got mountains close to you and everything else. So a lot, yeah. of, a lot of like people that used to go down to Florida to retire now land in North Carolina. It's also great when we moved out there. I was like, man, I think not having a thick southern accent is going to hurt me. <laughs> no one's got it. Really? Dude, everyone moved from Atlanta, New Jersey, New York. I figured that there'd be a lot of Boston. There. Yeah, there's a lot of Boston. I guess Boston's expensive AF. Yeah, I can see I can't that. curse, so. <laughs> we blur it out. Ugh. Do you want to throw a f bomb out there <laughs> so they have something to blurt later? We uh, won't do it with these yeah. girls walking by. <laughs> um, <laughs> man, and to bring it back to real estate too. Yes. Okay, so now I'll tell one more kind of anecdotal thing. But I was interviewing an agent with. Oh, never mind. We can't say these. Uh, with another brokerage. Okay. Um, January of last year, and. I, whenever I interview an existing agent, I'm going to pull their numbers to see, like, how much are they doing? Is it listings? Is it purchases? Because we do a lot more listings, so that's what I'm looking for. He sold 35 homes the year before. And I'm like, wow, what would make you even think about changing? And, and I'll never forget, because this kind of started the thought process that, for me, led to Charlotte. Um, this guy goes, man, it's great because it's all my friends and family. But the bad part is then I got to live in Danville, Indiana for the rest of my life. And he was like, you're a model. You could do that anywhere. And it was like a movie. I heard you can do that anywhere, anywhere, do it anywhere. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, to get, I'll be at like 1.2 or 1.3 million in listings in six weeks. And I called two people. One said no, one said yes. And the other three called me. Really? Yeah, it's awesome. That's, that's, uh, yeah, it's. Not much work there. I've had a theory that for, especially maybe more last year, that maybe some agents thought it was too good to be true the way I was, like, advertising it. Yeah, they probably think you're coming off. But now, I mean, we're adding a bunch of agents, um, and everyone's having the same production increase. Right. You know, I, I added a gal from another brokerage. She did one deal, I think, in, like, three or four months, and she's pended this week alone 1.1, 1.2 million dollars. And why is she doing that with you and only one in the last three months at the other brokerage? I mean, same stuff. Leads, training. 
That's crazy. I mean, she also, she wrote a first-right contention offer. I won't bore you with the details, but just for right. perspective, we didn't get one accepted in 2021 or 2022 until this. Really? They just, when it became an extreme market, telling someone I want to buy your home if I can sell mine, it was a no. And she got one accepted, and then she sold that one, like the one she had to sell to buy this one, or got it under contract. And then in the process, she picked up another client who was interested in the one she was selling, but it sold to someone else. So now she got that third client under contract with a different home. Hmm. And, and I just say that to say this, again, I think at some point people thought it, there's no way he gives leads right. and teaches hmm. and is chill. It's like, yeah. Not possible. Yeah. And we're doing it with enough people now. I, th I, I think it's getting more attention. And your Facebook posts go pretty hard, too. Uh, I ruffle feathers. Yeah. That's <laughs> why I like it. Yeah. Do you ever read through that? I read your comments from other agents. That's what I like to read. You're asking me. Yeah. You're asking me if I... Oh, yeah. I see. <laughs> uh, uh, sometimes I think about going in there and defending you, but you do a pretty good job on your own. Yeah. So. Yeah, he does. I stand down. How much yeah. time do you put into Facebook, Josh? An insane amount. I believe it. One of my retirement goals uh, is I am going to wipe myself from the internet. That's, yeah, yeah. a good goal. I, I like to do I, I do it a lot, but I truly hate it. Yeah, I know. It's it's a push or pull situation. Yeah. You know you need to do it as a business owner or yeah. in the business game, but sometimes you just get over-consumed and you're like, this just sucks. Because then you're looking at everyone else's crap and you're judging yourself subconsciously and... And it sounds like rhetoric, but like every, especially in sales, every salesperson is trying to make themselves seem like they're uh, doing incredible. Oh my gosh, you're so right. Yep. And it's like, man, I know the truth. Right. You know. Or uh, you think, am I doing something wrong? Why yeah. am I not posting like that? And, and who knows what they're doing? You have no clue. It's that FOMO aspect of it. You know. What's FOMO? Fear of missing out. It's real. That's why I quit, I quit consuming other people's Snapchat stories. I'm like, I don't care what you're doing. I can't right. consume. I don't, you know, going to eat somewhere cool. I can't see that. I, I, got, I got my own thing going here. It's, it's hard to, yeah. That's why I think, like, at least once a year, I try to post, like, a huge real estate failure. Yes. Yeah. Or, yeah, talk about your losses. Yeah, I had a deal die last year that would have made me, like, 14 grand. I was a week from closing, and it just, the deal, the deal died. And I was, like, devastated. And my, my client fired me. Really? Yeah. That is a big loss. Yeah, it's tough to Nobody know Nobody talks about their losses. Yeah, it's tough to know someone thinks you're the reason a, a failure occurred. Right. right? Um, and I still think about that deal. You know? Um, I don't... We haven't had any huge failures in a few months, so waiting for the next post, I guess. Whatever, right. Whatever happened with that negative review, did that get... Oh, did you see that, Sam? No, I didn't. We had a... Uh, so we... I think it was when we had like 106 five-star reviews on Google, never yeah. gotten less, and then some random human negative reviewed us. Probably a realtor. No, she was insane. Oh, okay. Because you can click on someone's like Google profile and see all the reviews. And they're all negative to other places? All negative. Yeah. All with typos, all with go So Google will let you challenge it once. Okay. And they denied my challenge in about 45 seconds. So I wow. feel like that was... Not a well-thought-out process. And then you can appeal it once. But if you appeal it, you have to submit your case. Wow. And whatever, the, it's like the God, the, the, I shouldn't say it this soon, the Supreme Court. Um, but, uh, and whatever that ruling is, is final. You can't do anything to it. Once Google decides. That's so for crazy. my appeal, I screenshotted every single review and circled every typo 
that she's done the previous that she's done or every incomplete sentence and I'm like this lady is insane right and they apologized to me and took her off wow so we're back up to five stars that's huh that's good to know but the other cool thing about Google is we didn't actually go down from five stars so I think when you have enough five star reviews if you get one four star it still shows as five. It doesn't go to like four and point seven five nine or tenths of a star. Uh, yeah. What did she put you as? Like a zero? Yeah. Well, one is the lowest you can go, but yeah. <laughs> and then I found out it's because she called and asked if we had section eight rentals. And I was like, ma'am, that's not even a product we offer. Like we don't do rentals. Right. So you just answered a question and she yeah. took it the wrong way. And until Google took it down, I responded to her review and let her know it's as crazy as like yep, yep. if you were to complain that McDonald's didn't sell you a shag carpet. Like, right. it's not their product. So you went hard on the the reply back. Hoping if a consumer ever saw it, they'd get a good laugh. Of course. Yeah. That's what we try to, yeah, at least my dad and I autofill, we at least comment back to the bad review and explain our side of the situation so we don't look like a total... And that helps your SEO a lot. Replying? I respond to every single one. Do you? Yeah, it's one of my 15 SEO tips I'll write in a book when I retire. You really should. I mean, no, I'm not, like, even my grandpa, I remember... When he was doing his home ordeal, he's just like, yeah, White Stag, do they have an office in Mooresville? I'm like, I don't recall. He's like, yeah, here they are. I'm like, I, in my mind as a marketer, I'm like, Josh created the listing in <laughs> Mooresville knowing that it doesn't have a legit location. But my grandfather, who just le learned how to do Google probably two, three years ago, now thinks that White Stag has a legitimate operation in Mooresville. You're making an assumption. I do oh, have space Oh, you do. Space you do have space. Yes. Digital space. No. Physical space. Where? Daniel, his wife is an attorney. She owns the building. I think it's at one Indiana Street or something wow, like that. Wow, look at me out here making assumptions. So any, anytime during business owners, I want to go in there and work. I can. Daniel's really? always there working. Yeah. Where's this at? One Indiana Street or two Indiana Street, right there in the main square of Mooresville. Wow. Yeah. Huh. We got a sign in the window. And thanks, everything. It's thanks legit. for caring, Sam. That's crazy. I'm shocked right <laughs> now. I thought you did that just as a digital way to show that you have. No, if anything, I don't want to do a lot of those satellite locations. So this is SEO tip number two. Some brokerages have a uh, Google listing at every I physical location, right. which I understand. But that's why I like having one main location because all the reviews go there. Wow. Okay. Instead of you know, brokerage XYZ having seven reviews after 20 years of existence. Right. We have, I think as of today, 112 in three years. So even though most people haven't heard of us, if we pop up, they're like, well, what is that one? Right. And now if I take, you know, 10 phone calls coming in, five or six of them mention like, man, these reviews. I'm like, yeah, we, it's real. You, right. can't, you can't delete them unless they're insane. Right. Yeah, right, or appeal them. Yeah, unless yeah. they're insane. That was the only one that ever had to be disputed, right? Yeah. So all other ones are It'll happen five one stars. day, but so far it's a perfect record. Well, I think we're at a stopping point. Yeah. Unless anyone else has anything to talk about. Man. We hit our hour. I need your contact info for the detail, for the shop again. Cause oh. I need, get, I need to get my windows done. That's right. Leads on the show. <laughs> Well, no, that's a wrap. Oh, go ahead, Josh. Let's I was just going to say, I appreciate you having us. Oh, no. I appreciate yeah, your guys' This is time. awesome. Always. Your next step will be getting a, a deal with White on the Practical Jokers. I hope. <laughs> that's a wrap. Sam Fouch Show. <laughs>